Welcome into another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leela McRae, Joe Deck with me, like usual, and a lot to jump into at the college level in particular, but let's talk about some information that we received from local high school sports, and this coming from the Augusta County School Board meeting last Thursday, not handing down from the VHSL, but there was some clarifications for the Augusta County teams about what fans would be in the gym. It'd be 25. It would be home fans, no visiting fans. They talked about how, um, if, if who counted as what, all the game officials, all the people around the game that don't count towards that 25. And it's basically been clarified as 25 parents. And it's like, you know, the, the JVs and the middle schools, they kind of talked about that, and it kind of sounded like everybody get in there. And then on varsity, it was more just like the first 25 and basically going one, two, one, two uh, between parents uh, letting them in. I I thought it was interesting to clarify that and needed, and maybe something the VHSL might um, want to do, maybe, maybe talk about which parents get in and whatnot. That has to be decided by local areas and different schools. But the idea of more clarification could probably be used by the VHSL. I think the VHSLs clarified it uh, in further statements when they were asked about it. I mean, it's basically media does not count. Uh, players and coaches do not count. Officials do not count. What would count is uh, pep band, cheerleaders, uh, and I believe con- uh, concession staff would count. Um, but maybe that's not. Maybe that's part of the not counting. Um but for the most part, I, I took away fans, cheerleaders, pep band. In fact, the concession people might not count toward that 25. Because I, I think that's what I took away from it. It's like, okay, those are the kind of three key groups that would be affected. And um, I think the way Augusta was treating that, no, no cheerleaders were traveling. But I guess there was opportunity for home cheerleaders. And then I think they pretty much said no bands. The bands at the basketball games is not as I was going to say, it's not really something here. Yeah, that's not really something I've seen a lot from here. So... That's fine. I actually like, I don't mind these rules uh, saying home fans only, home parents only. Um, because look, I think you and I talked about this when the rule came down. 25 is a hard number to enforce, it's a hard number to figure out. So, how do you figure that out? Home fans make sense. Home parents, because then that community is staying in that community. They're not going to another community. Uh, even if it's all pretty much inside Augusta County, uh, it's still going, driving to the other end of the county. Uh, so now that's not a factor. You're playing in your own gym, your own town, and you're limiting that number. It allows parents a better chance at being able to see their kid play at some point in the season, uh, if not all the home games, uh, at least most of the home games potentially. So that's good. Um, I, I definitely don't envy the ADs. I mean, that's it's going to be tough because – I think to assume that there's not going to be a situation where somebody wants to get in and they're at the 25 limit and they have to tell somebody no, I think that would be foolishly optimistic to believe that scenario won't happen. But uh, I I hope that people will understand and not get too emotional about it. Uh, but we'll see. Again, I don't envy the ADs. I, I don't mind this. I don't mind pushing the games to January. Uh, to me, yeah, I guess that's the other big news. I kind of buried the lead probably yeah. in that. And that's, you know, no games in December. They'll wait till January. Um, yeah, that that just seemed like obvious with every, the way everything was going around what the Valley District was dealing with, with Rockingham kind of putting that mm-hmm. in, 
uh, Rockbridge currently being on hold. It just seemed like the obvious move. So, yeah, I guess I blew right past that point. Um, yeah, and, and, and I'm not hung up on that because if they can have some kind of plan to try to get going back, if it's if it's able, then fine. You know, just you got to do what you got to do. But where right. the what they talked about in that meeting, I think, got the most attention. I've had multiple conversations since it was announced on Thursday night. They brought up particip- participation by the players on other teams. So basically, you're talking about kids playing on AAU and travel teams. That's really what they're saying. I mean, they, they mentioned going to the Y and playing and rec leagues and stuff like that. Where it really matters uh, is talking about these AAU kids, travel team kids. Um, and they're saying if you're playing on one of our county's high school teams, you're committed to that team, you're committed to the rules of that team, um, that bubble, you know, what we're talking about, and you're not going to be able to participate on those other teams. And, you know, that's a that's kind of a big deal for these kids that are looking to play at the next level. Really, those travel teams, those AAU teams, give them the opportunity the opportunity to be seen by more people than the than the high school teams when they can go to these tournaments and be seen by all these scouts at one time that are, are that are there watching you know eight different games in one day instead of one scout going to one gym on one weekday night it's just a much much more exposure that's why that's really why they do it that's the that's the reason they invest into doing that they invest their time invest their money into doing that so i think that's uh a bit of a bold strategy <laughs> by the school board there saying, Hey, um, you're not going to play on any of your travel teams that you're used to playing on. And, uh, I think that will get a lot of reaction. I think it has gotten a lot of reaction. Yeah. But again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, I actually yeah. applaud the, the school board on this decision. Look, they're doing this and pushing games back because of a pandemic. What they don't need is players to go play in AAU travel tournaments, get COVID, come back to the team, and then spread COVID on the teams right before January season starts. And then you have to shut it down because of that. That's the last yeah, thing they need. So and and, you get and like again, a two-week quarantine period yeah. from something like that. Your season's done. Yeah. I mean, you got a team that, I mean, it's just over. And hey, if the kids want to play AAU travel because they think that's the best chance they have to go play college basketball and they think they can go play college basketball and that's the answer for them, then fine, go do that. But you're not playing high school. And I don't have a problem with that. Augusta County has to worry about Augusta County first and foremost. And the Augusta County School Board says, we don't think this is a recipe for success to be able to finish a season. They need to look at not only, you know, hopes and wishes that they finish a high school season without an outbreak. They need to look at potential factors that could do serious damage to that outcome or potential damage to that outcome and say, and if they look at this, and I don't disagree, we could have a bunch of kids traveling on weekends in tournaments all over Virginia or all over the country and then coming back to the team in a COVID hot, they could go to a COVID hotspot, then come back to Augusta County onto their team and potentially spread COVID. That that ends it. Yeah, that ends it. So I I think, I I think it's a smart move by Augusta County school board. I understand some parents and kids maybe not liking that, but again, it's a pandemic. We're all having to make sacrifices and this is one you're going to have to pick AAU travel, or do you want to play at the high school? And two, and then there's there's two points there, and I'm going to come back around on that one. Is, you know, I think one comment I heard from somebody that I really don't know well, they're like, well, what's the difference of these kids traveling to these games and then coming back and being at the schools? I mean, aren't they around these people all, all the time anyway? You gotta you gotta understand that playing these sports is an increased risk uh, than going and sitting in a classroom. Sure, sitting in a classroom with people and all that, there is risk there. 
but it's an increased risk to not be wearing a mask and be on a court and other than jump balls not happening, you have contact with players on the court. That's that's the reason sports was pushed back from August to now was because there's an increased risk with this. That's why kids are in the schools and there aren't there aren't uh, sports happening up until right now, up until, you know, the the uh, tryouts that are starting tonight. So you've got to understand the logic of, of how all this is laid out and the, and the additional risks that sports bring. The other side of it is just like you said, I have no problem with in life pandemic aside, sometimes you got to make a choice. You know, at some point you got to make a choice and I don't have a problem with high school age kids having to make a choice. Does it stink sometimes when, you know, middle school activities or, or, you know, elementary school activities start to get on top of each other and you have to make choices. Sometimes that does, you know, you grit your teeth and say, yeah, that stinks. But I think at high school, it's preparing you for life. I mean, for a lot of people in that building, high school is that, that doorstep to life, you know, um, whether it's, tr- you know, traveling away from well, even college if, or yeah. going into the job field, mm-hmm. like you got to be prepared for more prepared for life than when you entered high school, you got to go out more ready. So understanding these decisions that you have to make are, are what you have to do. And will it make some kids that really want to play for their high school's name on their Jersey upset that they have to choose between doing that. And then the team that maybe they don't really care about the tradition of the team as much, but it gives them a better opportunity to get a scholarship, to get exposure. It's hard decision. It's a tough decision. I'm not saying it's not a tough thing. And that shucks. That's tough. You got to do it. You're going to have to make a hard decision in a hard year. And I think we're already doing that. Are you, you know, some kids are choosing whether to go to the school building to have class or not. You're going to have to have a decision if you're going to play on this team or that team. And uh, I I am fine with it. I I know I might've presented it in like a argumentative way, but I agree with, I, I mean, you can't have these kids playing with these 15 guys, you know, or 12 guys on the weekend and these 12 guys here, because then those 12 guys will become 24 guys and they might all have it. So, mm-hmm. well, and the other thing to, in addition to, well, if they're going to play, you know, they're going to be in the classroom anyway with these same kids, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well then they're playing a game with another school and another group of kids. Yeah. So again, for Augusta County, okay. One kid could potentially infect two different teams. That's true. That's, yeah, it's, that's, that is something that if then if high school basketball gets shut down, it's going to be the same people whining and complaining that high school basketball has been shut down. So your kid's going to have to make a call. The additional point that I wanted to hit back on, and I made it on Twitter, I think just after we recorded last week or a day or two after we recorded, uh, Matt Hatfield, former guest, a couple time guest here on the podcast. He made a great point in an article with uh, Patrick Height last week. So just, you know, it's, it's the yak family uh, (laughs) connection out there. And he pretty much said, um, that the VHSL is really seeing how hard it's going to be to get all these teams to one spot at one time. Like you have to hit a, hit a region deadline basically to then have teams to be able to qualify for a state tournament and sure it, it's going to be less teams than normal. They've already said that, but you still got to have to get to a certain date that really can't move too much if at all. So I've kind of come to the conclusion that my outlook now is if our priority is these kids playing sports and we want them to have the opportunity to have in a senior season or junior season or sophomore season, but have their season. I just wonder if the VHSL might need to back out of the way and say, Hey, this is the criteria for playing. This is, you know, the rules we got to be following. Everybody has to be at least up to this bar, but we're not holding championships. So you districts, 
maybe you regions. I don't know where the line needs to get drawn there. Mm. You guys decide how this gets done and when it gets done by. It needs to be done by, you know, the date we've already said for the state championships um, because we want the kids to be able to play in a second season and what will be the fall season. Um, but here's more time for you to deal with. Y'all get it done. And we won't have a state champion this year. And we'll have the Region B champion or maybe even just the district champions. But at least they'll have some games played, a season, the memory, the experience, everything. But you just won't have that opportunity to, to hoist a state championship trophy at the end. This is the only way we can say this will happen. If we try to force everybody into the same box, to the same time frame, to this date, it's not going to happen. Now, you could say that. You could predict that. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the case, but like you could you could just draw the line and say, guys, we don't know how to assure this is going to happen. We're getting out of the way. I, I kind of like that idea because I don't think the objective of the VHSL this year is to award six state basketball champions. It should be that these kids play. And so when you start looking at that priority, I just think then get the state championship out of the way if that's what's going to cause the problem. Yeah, we'll see. I think if maybe more districts drop out, maybe you'll have to see that. Or There's more already school districts. a bunch. There are already a bunch, but we haven't seen it yet. And I think if the VHSL I, was going to do that, I think we would have seen that this week. I mean, you maybe. had a bunch drop out last week. I think you would have seen that decision come this week. So unless it gets worse or uh, unless you see more school districts dropping out, I, I think I just hate to see, see him go. John Marshall, who was dominant last year. Well, they're already two. out. They're already out. Richmond they're City's done. They're already not playing basketball. Yeah. So East Rock is one of the favorites for good reason to win the state in class two a it does that. I don't know. We've people talked about the Lakers NBA championship being hollow this year because they played maybe five games less than they normally would have. How about, I mean, mean, figuratively, how about an East rock state championship where they don't play the team that dominated them a year ago and was loaded again this year. Like that's a banner on the wall. Okay. But I I don't know what I'd say to that is I don't think you win what you can win. You win what's in front of you. I, I don't think the kids care if the, if they have a state tournament and East Rock wins it. I don't think East Rock kids are gonna be like, oh well, we didn't play John Marshall, so it doesn't feel, so we didn't. It doesn't. It cheapens it or whatever. And plus, I, I, in twenty years, is anyone gonna look at twenty twenty and say, oh yeah, that was the year that John Marshall didn't play, so that one doesn't really count? I don't think so. I think they're gonna look yeah, up on I, the banner. I think, I think they're gonna look up at the wall, see twenty twenty state champions, and be happy and celebrate it. I, it took, I, I will say, you know, we talked about what we've talked in general about baseball and records and, and unlevel playing fields. I, I do think you'd be entering an unlevel playing field this year. If, um, if you have that many teams, not in it more than just John, just John Marshall. I mean, there's other districts out there. It's just that that's the easiest one to point to since they were, they are the defending state champion and were dominant last year. All right, moving on up to college basketball. The Hokies enjoyed another win against uh, VMI this time. Not a great night for the Hokies. They had some bad shooting. Hey, but a a sign of a good team is pulling it out when you're not playing your best. And uh, so I was excited about that. The reason I'm bringing them up here, because we'll talk a lot more about uh, college basketball as well as college football with Mike Barber in the B block. Hokies are up to 15th in the rankings. I, I just am excited about that. I think that you gain confidence with that. Are we the 15th best in the nation? I, I hope so. Maybe not. I wouldn't have predicted that. Uh, but is, if we keep on winning, I think, you know, beat Penn State this week, um, that would be, you know, another another notch in there of, hey, we're not 
you know, we're not too fake. Um, and we'll go from there and we'll get to the ACC season. We play UVA the very, like the second of, of January. So we're going to have time to prove it here. Um, but I'm excited about the 15th ranking and being undefeated at this point. Yeah. I think this week is a big test for both schools in terms of ACC big 10 uh, challenge games in our area, because for Virginia tech, if you beat Penn state, it's just another, it's the fifth win of the season. You keep on rolling getting ready to head into conference play. And it, it gives you something to say, okay, you know what? This is a good win for us. We keep on rolling. And it, it avoids the conversation of, was your ranking solely based on one game you beat Villanova? If you're UVA, you've kind of been sputtering here. You're playing an, an absolute powerhouse in the Big Ten and a team that is looking like a team that could potentially be a Final Four team in Michigan State. This is this is a game where you need to if you get blown out in this game, I think all of a sudden your UVA expectations get changed. If it's close and you lose or if if you win that game, I think then kind of how you and I have felt up to this point of, okay, UVA lost to San Francisco, didn't look great against Kent State, but they're still probably a good basketball team when it's all said and done. That that helps put those fears to rest. Yep. How about Kentucky being one and three? That's a surprise. They might they might be bad. Georgia Tech didn't just beat them. They pistol whipped them. I mean, that was I, going into Rupp. I think that game was in Kentucky, wasn't it? I, you know, I didn't even see the highlights, so I'm not even sure. No, they were away. They, they, they had to travel back home. Kentucky had to get on a bus back home. Oh, so well, it was not at Kentucky. Wherever it was, that was a beatdown. Georgia Tech smashed Kentucky. And again, that's a game where, like, as I saw that score, I was like, Maybe they're not good. I just do wonder, like, we talk a lot about it in football, about no spring ball, no fall practice. I just wonder about offseason preparation for the basketball teams. A team like Kentucky that is generally bringing in at least a few one and dunners. A lot of guys, you know, they're used, they're always young. Kentucky's always young. I just wonder if it's hitting them a little harder than other teams this year. And, and also we haven't seen that all the team, you know, there's other teams that have one and dunners and you might have to see how that flows, but Kentucky is kind of the king of the one and dunners. I just, I just wonder if there's more adjustment this year because of that. And, and they're going to, and they're starting slow. I, I, I'm not writing them off. I'm not going to write them off in December. They've other years. They have not been great early maybe not this bad, but not great early, and then really improved down the stretch. It's been a while since they've won a national championship, but they've gotten better, and, and you don't just dismiss them later. So I'm not writing them off in December, but that's a troubling sign because I don't, I don't think a lot of Georgia Tech. <laughs> it's a troubling sign. I don't think a lot of Georgia Tech either, but yeah. I think the good news if you're Kentucky is the SEC is not good at basketball, so you'll be fine when you get into conference play. That conference is not a basketball conference. I don't care what they try to tell me about how much better it is now than it used to be. It's still not the ACC. It's still not the Big Ten. It's not even the Big Twelve. I the it yeah, the Pac twelve yeah, might be better true. than the SEC this year. I, I mean, of the Big Power 12, Five, I mean, it might be the worst. Yeah, I don't know. And about then the you Pac-12. factor in the Big East and the A ten. I mean, there's some good teams there, top to bottom. Maybe the SEC's better, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, I, I easily think the Big 12 because Texas Tech was the national championship two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you got Kansas, Baylor. And you got Baylor. Those yeah. people across the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, they, they usually play tough. All right, moving over to college football. We will talk a lot of Hokies, a lot of UVA with, uh, with Mike Barber. Uh, obviously, we're not 
excited about the Clemson loss, but we could see it coming. Um, you just had some missed opportunities in the game. At the end of the half, there was a Hail Mary where we had already washed the clock away, and we were on the one-yard line with no time left. Um, you also had you know, interception right in someone's chest, and you had uh, just some moments where we needed to probably be more aggressive than we were. We lose that game after playing a tough first half. We lose that game by a lot. And um, it just it has us going, you know, we, we couldn't be lower going into the UVA game. Yeah, you can't be lower. And again, like if you tell me the score is 45 10. Friday night, you're predicting biblical. You're yeah. predicting if you 60, tell me the score I mean, is 45 10 Friday night, I'm like, oh, that's a little better than I thought. But then <laughs> when I watch the game and I see how close we are, Trevor Lawrence did not have a good game. Let's let's get that out there right now. Trevor Lawrence. I think, and I this was in a group text, and there's disagreement in the group text. That's fine. I think Trevor Lawrence cost himself. You don't throw for 190 yards and barely over 50% completion percentage against Virginia Tech and win a Heisman Trophy. You just don't. He had a touchdown and a pick. As you said, he should have had two picks. If Chapman was using his hands, he would have had a second pick. But for Virginia Tech, Clemson did not play Clemson is good. Clemson maybe beats Notre Dame. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm very interested to see what happens in that ACC championship. I just felt there were too many moments in that game where I felt like we were beating ourselves. Whether it's not being able to catch a snap because, and we'll talk about this here in a second. I'll, I'll move on to it here in a second. But uh, Or dropping picks or play calling being disastrous as usual. Or whatever. It's just too many dumb penalties. I mean, that's the other thing. And uh, you and I talked about this. I got frustrated, put it on Twitter. I'm over Brock Hoffman, man. I wish the NCAA would have said he's still not eligible because that kid too many times this year has killed us with an absolutely boneheaded play. I understand it's great that he plays with emotion. It's great that he's physical and he's tough or whatever, but he's also kind of dumb when the whistle blows and he's still doing stupid things to get 15-yard penalties and kill a drive. You just got to – there's there's a mindset to football, and a lot of times is you, you got to have some some guys on that team that walk the edge, that walk that line of, of what's right and what's wrong, playing really tough and playing right on the line, playing right to the whistle. You just got to be well-coached enough to stay where you need to. And that's, you know, I've seen it in high school. I've seen some guys that just – are on the edge of dirty. And if sometimes they might get a little carry away, you just got to minimize those amount of times. And usually the better the coaching you see, you see that controlled a lot more. That's, you know, when you look at the coaches in the local area for high school football, the, the better coaches have better control of that. And you, you get some teams that have a little more craziness happen. And we've seen, I don't want to call teams out right here, but it's a trend. And, yes. and, 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 with really good teams that are really well coached, you just don't see a whole lot of it. And you might see a moment, you might see a play here or a play there, but it's just contained and it, it doesn't become a problem. And then on teams that are borderline, good or bad, when you have more of that, it's usually pushes you to the wrong side. And so it's the same way at the college level, same way at the NFL level. And in the NFL level, I think you get a lot more guys walking that edge because the cream rises to the top. And it's the guy with the right mental state that can handle, you know, the on-the-field persona and the off-the-field. And they know when that whistle happens, they got to stop. And and Brock Hoffman has to prove that he is better at handling himself than he has. And he needs to be better coached. And I know we put everything that's that's bad on Fuente, 
but I'm sorry, that is that's a blatant thing that is just part of coaching. You got to understand your kid. You got to understand how to communicate with them, and you got to know the reaction that you have to give to him previously that will have him better in this moment now at the end of the season. And obviously, he lost control there two two, two times in the game. He cost us, mm-hmm. and, and and that just can't happen. And so. Fuente has been hard on him since the game. You know, pulled him, talks about him being able to maybe earn a starting role next week. He'll start because he's the best at the position. But I, you, you just need to have well, handled this better up to this point. And, and, and he hasn't. So, I mean, again, you say another that. thing we can put on Fuente. Yeah, and you say he'll start because he's the best at the position. That hasn't stopped Fuente from not starting somebody before. But <laughs> I, speaking of... He's not a quarterback. Well, speaking of quarterback, <laughs> let's move to it. And I'll preface this by saying... I do. If there is Hold something on. medically wrong with Hendon Hooker, then you fire Justin Fuente for putting the kid in a dangerous situation. And not only that, forget throwing him under a bus because people have survived getting run over by a bus before. This is equivalent to throwing Hendon Hooker under a steamroller because Hendon Hooker, done. Virginia Tech is it for him. If, if what they're saying is true, that he was just cold. And that's why he couldn't catch a snap and just was totally ineffective. It's 32 degrees or 31 degrees. Dude, you've got to be able to play in that. We're not talking about zero degree weather here. You have to throw on a Under Armour or a hoodie or something. Uh, Being cold is not acceptable. If it's an underlying medical condition, like I said, that totally changes it. And I'm totally okay with you know, whatever happened there then, if it's a medical thing. But if it's just, I'm cold. Dude, I've sat in Lane Stadium in colder games than that. Like, if that's cold to you, we're going to have a problem. There have, there have been snow games in Lane Stadium. Saturday. We're going to have a problem Saturday. Is, yeah, <laughs> it's another cold game. But yeah, I'm saying no there's there's Saturday. games where it's snowed in Lane Stadium. <laughs> so, like, oh, yeah. it's been colder than it was. And that was the other thing. Like, I went out, I threw out trash last night, and I saw the ESPN people all bundled up too, and I was like, it's not that cold. <laughs> I was like, it's cold, but it's not that cold. But then you see Hendon Hooker, like, I just can't get the, the excuse is he can't, he couldn't get warm. And so that's why he couldn't catch a snap or whatever. And I'm like, all right, well then we have a different problem that we have a, a kid who's not a D one quarterback, I guess. Cause I, I'm sorry. If, if I'm too cold to play is honestly what was going on there. He's not a D one quarterback. And then you have to go to Burmeister or I don't know. I mean, what a terrible week for Quincy Patterson to transfer. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, he was apparently hurt anyway, though. But, yeah, I, we missed him. Uh, the, yeah, that uh, Caden kid, Kadem or whatever his name is, he, he wasn't quite right. I mean, he didn't look terrible, but he, he's just he's not. not yeah, he's not. He's not an ACC down the field quarterback. Clemson, which, yeah. You know, who is? But, yeah. All and right. to be fair, I thought Burmeister played well when he came in. Yeah, he didn't play bad. I... I wish I just, we would have opened it up because the deep pass plays seemed to work. Wish I we could have run some. When I, I see him run, and early in the season, I just kept hearing, you know, he runs better than Hendon Hooker. No, he doesn't. No. When Hendon Hooker catches a catches a snap and then runs with it, he runs he runs better than Burmeister. I will say so this. I don't understand. I will say this. I think Burmeister is a little bit better at knowing when to run on uncalled run plays because there are – look, you and I talked about it in the Miami swiggle. game. You talked you about it in the Miami game. Wiggle, like Hooker does, man. You got to use it. Okay, well, I wish you would did it in the Miami game then, because <laughs> instead of standing like standing there like a statue, getting sacked time after time, and I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, throw, 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 and then he gets killed. 
So maybe the alarm clock's better with Burmeister. I don't know. But UVA, again, we'll talk about it more with uh, Barber and the B block. But I did pick Boston College to win this game uh, in our pickums. And then, like, shortly before the game, I realized I didn't know if it was previously reported or not because I did zero research on my picks. Um, I saw that Boston College's quarterback was out. And I was like, oh, that's, that's tough. I, I don't know. And uh, then the game happened, and I saw that UVA scores 43 points. If, if Boston College is going to win that game fully manned, they can't give up 43 points. So I was wrong on that pick. Uh, that was the only pick that we had different this week. Uh, so you're one up on me in the overall standings. But, you know, a lot of my picks are what I want to happen, and mm-hmm. I always want UVA to I lose. I was surprised so you picked Virginia Tech to lose. Not that you were wrong, <laughs> but because you almost never pick against the Hokies. If we so. weren't tight in our picks, I definitely would have picked them to win. <laughs> I mean, well, and there in the first half, I would have been on board. I mean, until I saw us totally lay down at the end of the first half by not having enough to go for it uh, against the number three team and house money. Um yeah, I don't know. But I'll say this. I saw where Virginia Tech opened up as a favorite. I I meant to ask Barbara this in our interview that you're going to hear here coming up soon, but is there something I don't know? Like, is somebody, is there a COVID outbreak or is someone not healthy and someone's not playing? Because the way I know Barbara says scheduling is part of it, Pitt's not good. Pitt's not good. Wake Forest isn't good. Miami's not good enough to be doing what they did to us. Liberty's not good enough to be doing what they did to us. I just don't think, I think the problem at Virginia Tech is you're just not a very good football team. And your coaches are definitely not very good. So if I, if let's say honest, honest assessment time, best case scenario, maybe Virginia Tech and UVA are about the same on talent. Maybe Virginia Tech's a little better in terms of talent level. Coaching, we are completely outclassed. So I, I don't see how Virginia Tech wins this game. Hope I'm wrong. Hope we beat UVA, but I, I don't mean, see I'll it. I'll pick us this week. I know I know me. I'll pick I'll pick us, but it's we we aren't giving me any confidence. I'll tell you that much. I'm not talking any crap this week. I don't I don't, but I don't. I'm not one of those guys though on UVA week that talks a lot of crap. I might post funny things on Facebook or Twitter or something, but I like I usually don't talk that much crap because so many of these last 16, 17 years we're clearly the better team. So it's just like, I mean, who's that? I don't want to be that guy. Now, sometimes after some games, I say some things. But All right. Uh, other games of interest. The BYU Coastal Carolina is the one to talk about. First off, before we talk about the game and how it played out, before the whistle, the game happening is magnificent mm-hmm. and shows what college football could be if people were a little more relenting in you know, we have to schedule 10 years ahead and all this stuff. They put this game together on Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, announced it Thursday. That's so great. You know, Liberty has their COVID issues. They had to pull out. They communicated well about it the whole time. BYU started practicing for Coastal Carolina like Tuesday night, mm-hmm. practiced Wednesday. And so by Thursday when it was announced, they were already ahead of the game. Coastal Carolina, I'm sure, was prepared too and – I just got to commend everybody involved to putting that game together because basically here's two undefeated teams. One of you is not going to get much attention after this week. One of you is going to lose and you're just not going to have that much attention. And that ends up being by BYU in the game. We'll talk about how that happened in a second, but I commend them for putting that together and doing it. And you became one of the prime games on. Yeah, it was on ESPN. ESPN two showed that game as much as they could uh, before they went to some fighting later in the night. I, they, 
I, I just ESPN, Coastal Carolina, BYU being willing to do it. They say they'll play anybody anywhere. There was some question of that a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. with whether they played Washington or not. Here they did. They played anybody anywhere. They went to Coastal Carolina, played them on short notice, got all the attention from game day to play on somebody else's field, and they showed up and played the game. I, I thought it was great, and I, I will think more of BYU in the future for this as well as Coastal Carolina. I, I saw a great point. I think it was by Andy Bitter on Twitter who put, like, that game was scheduled Tuesday and was a fantastic game. It kind of makes you wonder why we bother having AD schedule games out to 2038 or whatever. Like, you know what? Two, three years maybe, but otherwise, let's stop there. We don't need to schedule games 20 years out into the future. I kind of like it where, you know, in the bracket – they have you, like do you want to go luster. into the season with an open open week and then you just schedule it mid season? These non power fives, <laughs> yeah. And just say let's take the two best power fives. I like it. One of you, it's it's a it's a figurative playoff. You're going to play off to get one of those New Year Six games. Like if anybody's going to get it, it's going to be the winner of the game we produce here, and we'll figure out how the that teams get selected. Hey, that the CFP ain't giving us two spots on the New Year Six. So just take those lower, and maybe not, and I'm not saying put Cincinnati in this, because I think the American does deserve more credit than does, but take these lower, the, the Sun Belt and the uh, Mountain West and these other conferences, mm-hmm. you know, where um, Marshall uh, Conference USA. Boise State plays and all them, yeah. get it all involved and figure out a system to where the last regular season week, you're going to have a game, you don't know what it is, and this conference hosts, this conference travels, or I don't know, some some figure out the versions of it, and make it happen because it, it could be exciting, and what it's if, like an extra playoff. Well, what if what if uh, these Power Fives that are so much more superior and could never possibly lose to these G five teams that are undefeated? What if we make them play? Well, they're already in the playoff; they don't need to. Well, no, but yeah, <laughs> that's my point. Let's let's put your money where your mouth is, Clemson or Ohio State. But I don't mind watching these teams play each other. I don't really care to watch too much Coastal Carolina versus Alabama. That's my point in our in our our. Overall, I don't care to watch play Alabama play anybody this year because Alabama is that much better than everybody this year. All right, NFL. Before we get to the Steelers and the Ravens and the Skins, how about those Browns beating the butts off the Titans? They took it to them. They had to hold on to the end. But how about those Browns? How about those Browns? How about the Rams becoming the first place in that division? They got a little help, but they beat the Cardinals and kind of they were ahead of them and held ahead of them pretty well. I was surprised with that. I had the Cardinals winning. How about those Rams? All right, man. The Giants. The Giants won. The Giants beat the Seahawks. That was surprising. And on Sunday, I thought the Giants had just won the division. (laughs) And so the Giants is that team that I've been saying since – the Steelers played them early in the season. I think the Giants have the pieces to be the best team in that division, like in two years. Like, I think they have the pieces. They have the right coaching. I think their quarterback's good. I know he wasn't there for this win. I think they have the right pieces that they're going to be a good team. So I say watch out for them. The Chiefs. Why do I even have that game on here? I don't know, because it was close. Oh, yeah. Before. Okay. So now I know why they're there. Sometimes division opponents play each other, and it's just closer. Or sometimes they win, like the Raiders oh. beat the Chiefs. The division games are a little tighter. That's what I was prepared to come in here and say, talking about the Ravens and Steelers game that happened last week, is these two teams know each other. They play each other all the time. It's the rivalry. And sometimes it's just not what you expect. Like the, the team that looks a little bit better just kind of comes back to the other one, and they play a tight, ugly game. And that's kind of how I wrote off last week week's game against Ravens. 
I think the Ravens are probably better than you give them credit for, but they still are. I don't think our second and third stringers should be playing with the Steelers. No, I, I don't think the second and third stringers of the Denver Broncos would be playing with the Chiefs. No. Okay, I'm trying to move past the point. I'm just saying that's my counterpoint to that argument. I, most instances, I agree with you. Divisional matchups are very tough. Divisional rivalries, yeah. more times than not, will be close. But when you're playing a second and third stringer group, for the most part, no. Okay, so I was kind of just writing that game off partially to that, part of weird scheduling. It keep getting pushed. There was a lot of emotion involved. Players had a lot of opinions, whether we think they're valuable or not. Move on, play the next week. What I saw tonight, Monday night, as we record, or after we record, I watched the football team beat the Steelers, giving the Steelers their first loss. What I didn't like in this game was something I didn't see a lot of in the last game. I saw really bad body language out of the Steelers early on. 10 nothing, I think was the score, or 7 mm-hmm. nothing, something like that. I was like, these guys are just kind of walking around. Ben's just kind of calm. These receivers are dropping passes. And like, yeah, they seem kind of mad, but... I just saw bad body language out of them. So I had a bad feeling about this game from kickoff on. I just didn't like what I was seeing. Um, the Redskins made it hard on them, and I give them the credit, but I just didn't see any fire out of the Steelers. I don't know if they, you know, thought they were playing. Um, I guess I've been saying Redskins a bunch of times here, but the football team, uh, they, they thought they were playing the football team in the bad division, and they just didn't have to worry about it. Whatever it was, I didn't like it, and it bit them. Because when it came down to the end of the game where you still kind of think, hey, the Steelers are just going to find a way to win this thing because they are the better team. They, like, they are. Like, they're going to go into the playoffs and they're going to have a chance that the the football team is hoping for. They did, weren't able to do it because like, of all the luck they got all night with dropping those passes or poking passes up in the air and no one intercepted it. Finally, one got intercepted and that sealed the game. So the Steelers deserve to lose that game because they just played with zero fire. Um I'm not saying they weren't prepared. It just seemed like they they weren't ready to go on Monday night at five o'clock. You got to be ready to go. You're professional. Whenever they say play the game, you got to be ready. And the same thing I said the week before on a Wednesday at three forty in the afternoon. You got to be ready to go. You're professional. And I thought like generally they had more spirit in that game. And I thought probably the rivalry probably brought that out of them. Um, Cause you know, there is enough people on that field that it's people they're used to playing with. Um, but for the Steelers in this against the football team tonight, I just was I was not happy with the body language. So that that's got to get cleaned up. And they got a tough game against the Bills next week. Mm-hmm. So they got to get it going in a hurry. They got to clean it up this week. One thing I'm optimistic about is that Tomlin had strong words after the game a week ago. I assume he'll have strong words this week, whether they're private or public. I assume he will head them in the better direction because Tomlin tends to get his guys ready. And so I'm optimistic that next week against the Bills will kind of be a uh, resurrection game for the Steelers team that has been strong this season. Not great. Everybody's talking about being a hollow 11-0 team. I didn't really argue much with that. I, I Did I think they were the best team ever? No. I still said the Chiefs were the best team in the league. I was happy that every game they went out to play was a win. That What more can you ask for? Would you yeah. like them to be blowouts? Yeah, it's easier on the heart. But then you get to a game like tonight against the football team, and it just, that's, we're capable of losing a game we shouldn't, and we showed that tonight. And so I'm hoping we can kind of know that about ourselves, play a good team next week, play well, one way or another, play well. And so that kind of gets us headed into playoff mode from there, where you can't afford to lose to a team that's ranked below you. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm happy not to hear the excuse 
from you that again I had been seeing in the lead up, and I'm sure when I get on social media tomorrow, I'll see from all the Sealers people anyway. Uh, that you know, well, we only have four days rest. Okay, you had the same amount of rest that people usually do from a Sunday to a Thursday when they play that game anyway. So tough, but um, I- I'll say this. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Steelers have shown that they're capable of losing more games this year than they have. They have a tendency to play down to their competition. And eventually that bites you. I think for the Steelers, they better, as you said, they better figure it out quick because I think the Bills are another good team. And mm-hmm. right now the Steelers have the tiebreaker. Their losses to an NFC team, the Chiefs losses to an AFC team. So the Steelers would still have the one seed mm-hmm. if it all ends the way it is now. If the Steelers lose to the Bills. Can we stop the count then? No. <laughs> Um, just like we didn't stop the count when the sprinklers went off, unfortunately, uh, in Blacksburg. But uh, when, if the Steelers lose to the Bills, all of a sudden, not having that one seed, I would start to worry if I was a Steelers fan. Because then you're looking at, okay, who's that seven seed going to be? Is it going to be the Raiders? Because that's a team I would not want to play in the playoffs, is the Raiders. I would not want to play... Uh, if, if I was the Steelers, I'd be okay playing the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins represent a challenge to the Steelers the Raiders may be problematic and then the division rival thing that we talk about in the Cleveland Browns I think would be problematic the Cleveland Browns appear to be playing really good football right now the Ravens still have to play the Browns and I'm very worried about that so I think we do too oh well then you'll play them in the regular season too and what I'm saying is I wouldn't want to see them in a postseason scenario if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers so I would want that one seed which goes without saying, but I think it's for the Pittsburgh Steelers more so than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it's more important for the Steelers than it is the Chiefs to have the one seed. I think the Chiefs can be the two seed or the three seed even and still go to the Super Bowl. The Steelers, I don't see any way they go to the Super Bowl if they're not the one seed. We play the Browns in the finale. Mm. (sighs) Lucky you. Maybe maybe one of those that we see in high school sometimes, back-to-back weeks. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I loved seeing the football team get the win tonight. And the Washington football team's social media team is, you know, on point with the troll game tonight. Uh, but, um, I still, I mean, the Steelers are still going to win the division. They're still going to the playoffs as a, probably a two yeah. seed at worst. So, and, and just because I, I lost, wouldn't panic. It doesn't change my expectations. I still want them to get to the at least AFC championship game. I'm not saying I don't want to win a Super Bowl. I just I don't think it's changed my expectations for the Steelers. I didn't have them going to the Super Bowl. So I, I in August. I really I actually didn't in August, I'll admit that. But since then I've been convinced otherwise. I will say the Titans down the stretch have made me think that it's the Chiefs for sure. I, I don't see anyone beating Kansas City in the playoffs now. I thought maybe the Chiefs or, uh, excuse me, maybe the Titans, but the Titans have just not played well. Their defense has been atrocious all season long and hasn't gotten any better. Derrick Henry had a not great game against the Cleveland Browns, which would be concerning if I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. Uh, but And the Colts, I think, are in danger of winning that division from the Titans now. So the Titans may be a wild card, which I wouldn't love if I was Tennessee. But, you know, we'll see what happens. They'll play the rest Henry- of the games. The regular season still matters in the NFL, so, you know. Interesting matchup here. Uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins play this week, and I know that's not, like, where we expect the Dolphins to go in and beat them, 
it's just a playoff quality team that's going to face the Chiefs. So I think that's interesting to watch there um, just to see maybe like a preview of what, an, uh, you know, divisional or wild call round playoff game could look for the Chiefs. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I, two is going to have to play a lot better than he had so far. What did you? Okay. Yeah, valid point. All right, moving on real quick, sports point. Your Washington Wizards mm-hmm. had a little move. They got rid of John Wall. Mm-hmm. They got Russell Westbrook. What is your reaction to that? Um, Both are not great contracts to have on the books. The first round pick that is being traded to the Rockets is lottery protected, which makes me not really worry about that pick. Um, And if you're going to pay somebody a lot of money, at least Russell Westbrook's going to be on the floor. John Wall hasn't been on the floor in the last two years, hardly. So that's a win. If I'm a Wizards fan, I, I'm not going to miss John Wall. I'm not going to, you know, now if I'm being hundred percent honest, I don't have a whole lot of emotion tied into the Washington Wizards franchise. I think there was maybe one or two playoff runs where I got, invested and they broke my heart because they're a team from DC. But I I saw a lot of people like it, it was almost like a family member died or something. John Wall being traded. And I was like, is this the same guy who hasn't played in two years? Like I, who cares? At least the guy we're getting for about the same amount of money is at least going to play. John Wall went and got a pack of cigarettes two years ago. I hadn't seen him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I just, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, what do you miss about John Wall the last two years? Him being a cheerleader? I mean, he wasn't even on the bench, actually, so he wasn't even a cheerleader. He never showed up. And I here's the other thing. Bradley Beal and John Wall were not getting along, so no, you had to make a call. No. And to me, that's an easy call. You pick Bradley yep. Beal and tell John Wall, deuces. You take Beal, and, and you still ride him for the long term. You take Westbrook for a couple years here. I, I look at what, what, what Russ, Russell Westbrook did two years ago, his last year at Oklahoma city, you didn't really expect huge things out of that team. And, and they, they were decent all year and made a little noise in the playoffs. I think he can be a team leader and and be part of a, a good team. This is a coach he's been with before and had success with. I think he can plug in and help the team. Are they a contender in the East? No, I, I'm not trying to make it out to that, but I could easily see him being in the playoffs with this, with this group. I don't, I don't think your guard play is, really dropping off. I I think I like, I like Beal a lot. I think Russell Westbrook is a better player than John wall. So I think he'll, he'll find a way to fit in with that the way he needs to, the way he kind of did in Houston. He had to kind of, you know, work with what was happening there. Did it lead to the ultimate success? No, but I didn't hear about a bunch of infighting this year at Houston here in the postseason, I've heard how people weren't getting along and people don't like it, but it didn't seem like it really destroyed things during the season. Uh, so him playing for a coach that he's very comfortable with, kind of probably understanding his role more as a veteran now, but still not just a, you know, a veteran, you know, Dave Justice and Moneyball. That's not what he is. He's still going to be an all-star caliber player with the wizards and, and probably likely an all-star because he's a, a popular guy. I probably get the votes. If anything, I, I think this can be a good thing for the wizards and gets them could get them into the playoffs and, and get a little more hype around that team than we've seen the last couple of years, mainly because John wall wasn't on the court. I think John wall was there. They probably are in the playoffs these last two years, you yeah, know, or yeah. at least contending for it. Um, 
you know, that's an OBJ situation. We almost play better when he wasn't on the floor. I think it's good for the Wizards organization. So I do too. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block and talk to somebody that actually probably knows better than we do about everything we've already talked about. All right. We are glad to have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times dispatch back for the ninth time now. Uh, We haven't had you since August when everything was getting ready to go. And now everything's getting ready to kind of on schedule be done playing. I think at times this year we all thought maybe we'd have this conversation of being done playing before now. But uh, the game that was supposed to lead off the season, UVA versus Virginia Tech, got pushed in the year. And here we are. And we have you, Mike, on to talk some UVA and Tech. Uh, so let's just start with the game itself. We can dig in on Tech's troubles uh, specifically in a minute, but let's talk about this game and the matchup. Uh, this is two teams coming from two different directions. Uh, you know, winners of the last four and losers of the last four coming to uh, face each other in Blacksburg. And uh, you know, what's your just broad outlook at going into this game? Yeah, I don't think things are as bleak for Virginia Tech as they look, nor are they as golden for UVA as they might look. Sure. Um, so some of some of what's going on, guys, is is the schedule, right? Like UVA started out with a really tough schedule and looked not great, and and then the schedule got a little bit more manageable, and they've looked pretty good and managed it. Uh, but they're dealing with a lot of injuries on defense, and they're and they're very susceptible there on that side of the ball, and then. You got Virginia Tech, who, you know, early in the year, we were like, wow, look at them navigating this trouble they're having with COVID and and still winning. When they get their roster full, they're going to be a force to to reckon with. And that never really came to fruition. But, um, you know, certainly I don't know how much stock you put in the Clemson game, because I think uh, if you've been paying attention, Clemson was going to beat Tech like that's not a. But yeah, Virginia Tech sort of sliding and scuffling, and, and and there's a lot swirling around that program. UVA feels a little bit better about itself despite some of those challenges, and um, you know, but it's the classic case in a rivalry of this is good for both teams, man. Like UVA is not going to be too fat and happy because Tech is such a huge game for them, and beat Tech is such a big part of their program. And you know, Virginia Tech maybe they want to pack it in and call it a year. But that's not going to be the vibe this week when they're getting ready to play UVA because they want to beat those guys and then pack it in and call it a year. So I think scheduling wise, it, it worked out really well for both teams. I, I don't think, you know, Virginia Tech, I don't think it's going to get invited to a bowl game. UVA, if they are invited, I don't think they're going to accept it. Um, I think this is it for both these teams. And I think for guys like us, that's awesome because it means that this game means everything to both sides. I think this is their bowl game and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So you mentioned bowls there, and I was going to ask you, did you think possibly, I I saw something on Twitter today that said kind of the last ACC bowl tie-in might be determined by the winner of this game. Do you think that's a possibility, or even if Virginia Tech wins, no chance? I I don't see it. I I mean, so many of the game, four of the ACC tie-ins have already been canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the only ones that are left are the ACC properties because they need the TV inventory and they're going to fly people in the day before, play it, and and get them out. Um, And I think there's too many teams ahead. Now, it's a weird year, right? You don't have to reach six wins. But I don't think that the conference is going to be big on – jumping teams with winning records for teams with losing records. I don't, I think people misinterpreted that. I think they said, Hey, you don't have to get to six wins because they were worried teams might only play six or seven games. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, Hey, if you're four and two and you got a great fan base and and you're a name program and a bowl wants you, that's fine. 
I don't think you're going to see a bunch of winning programs jumped to get a, a team with a losing record in. And I don't think there are enough bowls. And, you know, UVA, candidly, I, I think Bronco admitted today that um, the ACC asked them to play on December 19th. And Bronco said no. He said, our last game is the tech game. And, and I think that's going to be the attitude towards the, the bowl. Um, these kids have been on campus for a long time, man. They've been away from their families. They've been asked to quarantine, to, to isolate, to all the things they're doing. And, and I'm not crying for them. You know, it's, it's awesome to play college football. That They didn't have to do it. They could opt out. But they've sacrificed stuff that the rest of us might have said, the hell with this. Um, and I think Broncos' take is when they get done, with their mission, they're going home to their families and, and I'm not going to tack on uh, a, a trip to the military bowl or, or the Mayo bowl or, or the nacho cheat, whatever's out there. It's just, <laughs> I just, I, I think they want to be done with what I would consider a very successful job by both schools of playing a schedule and getting through this year. And you'd have to assume that tack on game was probably that Florida state game, which Bronco already had a negative feeling about too. <laughs> yeah. He made it pretty clear. He wasn't going back yeah. to Florida state. And I think people took that as, you know, a, a snub of, of FSU. I think he was saying, Hey, you know, that date has passed and, and this is the way he looks at it. You know, the, the season ends with this game and, and in many ways that's a fitting end. Looking one more question, probably more specific about this game coming up between these two teams, you know, Virginia tech at quarterback, they played a, they played three different guys against Clemson. Um, you know, what's your read on the initial comeback uh, this week? Uh, comments from Quinte today. Who do you expect to start? And uh, should we expect to at least see two quarterbacks? Yeah, I, I think they'll play both Hendon Hooker and Braxton Burmeister. I think Hendon Hooker is still going to start. Um, it was a bizarre situation to have him struggle. And, and they're saying it was the cold and that there's no underlying medical condition. And, you know, you remember Hendon was out for a bunch at the, in the beginning of the year and, and they said it was yeah. something they found. And, you know, the, the, the story we believe is that they, you know, had something in a test that looked a little bit off. They were playing it safe. But in the end, what we've been told or what we understand is that he's perfectly healthy, that that was something Good. they looked into and there was nothing there. Right. The kid doesn't have yeah. anything underlying. So we're going to have to believe them that, hey, he got cold. He couldn't get himself back. My concern with Hendon Hooker is that first snap of the game was a perfect snap that went right through his hands. And the criticism that he was getting them out of the huddle too fast after the game plan had been to stay in the huddle until most of the play clock was gone. I don't know that that's, you know, it's cold outside. I don't think that's related to that. Again, you know, he got cold. It happens, whatever. But I think there were some problems with Hendon Hooker before he got cold. That makes me wonder how do they feel about him going forward? The fact that the ACC gave him another night game, that the forecast is cold, low thirties and maybe rain and wind. Um, Braxton Burmeister is going to play a bunch in this game. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they rotate slash, I know everybody hates the cliche, but ride the hot hand. If yeah. one of them leads a touchdown drive, I expect them to come back out. And then if they throw a pick, I expect them to get yanked and go to the other one. And, I don't always love that approach, but I think that's what we're going to see. I mean, this game was scheduled to be Saturday night prime time uh, to begin the season. Yeah. Uh, so we still have that. We don't have game day coming to Blacksburg, but it's still Saturday night prime time. It's funny how this game keeps winding up in, in prime areas in, in the past six years, even though it's not always the, the best game of the weekend. It's just funny how that keeps working out. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there is some value, and it's a great thing for all of us that there's some value to Virginia-Virginia Tech, that rivalry, but um, I think we all thought this had noon game written all yeah, over oh it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, and then we realized that, hey, the, the national slot was that 3.30, so they took the best game, which was Carolina-Miami, and, 
if you look at the board, guys, and we can say what we want about these two teams, this is probably the next best game on the board in the ACC. So prime time, here we come. Yeah. With Clemson not playing, I guess that helps that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't catch the post game after the Clemson game. Did you ask any questions that were considered ludicrous crap this week or were you, no. did you take a week off? No, I, I was less ludicrous and, and less full of crap this week, which is really my professional goal every week. But uh, no, you know, I, I think that, you know, I probably caught Justin Fuente with that question um, in a particularly foul mood. And, and Justin's not a huge fan of mine personally. We just haven't clicked uh, since he got there. So the fact that it was me asking the fact that it was a critical question of, you know, his boy there, right. Brad Cornelson's yeah. a guy that's been with him, And, um, and again, you know, I, I think coaches lose sight and you guys understand this, but coaches don't. Um, sometimes we ask questions. It doesn't mean we think the answer is yes. Right. I say, are you considering taking away play calling from Brad Cornelson? That's not me saying you should do this or you need to do this. It's me saying, Hey, enough times in my career, I've seen offenses that are pitiful and the head coach say, I'm going to take it over. So I'm asking the question. And yeah, I, again, I think it was the Pittsburgh beatdown and who was asking the question more than the question, but no, Justin handled himself. I thought, well, in the post game of this one, and he's in a tough spot. And I think he's saying all the right things. You know, he was asked today about his job security and, and does he think that the players are, are playing for him? And you know, what are you going to say? But I thought his answer was good. He said, I want them to play for each other. I want them to play for their seniors. I don't want them to, to play for me or for my job. And uh, whatever you want to say about Justin Fundy, I think that's the right answer to that question. Well, maybe that question. Um, but <laughs> I, okay, but there's one in the post game press conference this week where he's being asked about this situation at the end of the first half. You're playing the number three team in the country. You have a chance to tie it going into the locker room where they're going to get the ball to start the second half. And he runs the clock out on himself and he gets asked and he's like, I do it again. And I'm just. And as a fan, I'm like, okay, well, you don't learn. Like, It was not the answer the fans wanted. And I get his answer, right? That part of the strategy going to that game was to be conservative, to hold the ball, to not make mistakes, to keep it in striking well, distance, and try to win it in the fourth quarter. Now, conversely, when Khalil Herbert breaks that run and, and all of a sudden you think, well, man, if we had been a little more aggressive, it, it is a little bit of hindsight being 2020. Um, I, I tend to go the other way. I think you're the not – the better team in this one. You're the underdog. You've got yeah. a chance. I, I think you go for it. I think you roll yes. the dice. I think you show some confidence in your guys. Um, I think you try to make a play there. Um, it doesn't have to be crazy, right? You don't have to run a trick play. You don't have to run anything wild, but I don't know that you run the ball between the tackles to try to run out the clock. And, and bluntly, if you're going to do that, um, and I, and everyone's going to hate this answer, but if you're going to do that, take a knee, man, because yeah, when exactly. Herbert got those yards, now it put you in the spot where you have to answer for, and guys, let's face it. They were a half a yard away from getting a touchdown on the Hail Mary anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think it came back to bite them and, and I would have preferred a more aggressive approach, but Justin was consistent with what he thought going into the game. Well, and let me ask you about this too. And what, what your takeaway was, because again, as a fan and I'll admit, I'm a fan watching the game, but Virginia Tech was in that game for a long time, and I understand the game plan is be careful with the ball, yada, yada. But, I mean, third quarter, you get an interception in the end zone. You're down to keep yourself in the ball game, only down a touchdown. That was another situation where I felt, all right, this is where you have to take a shot. Like, you got a huge turnover. Clemson is reeling a little bit. Take a shot. And run, run, pass that fails, and it's just like, okay, like – this offense hasn't worked for the entire game. Why did you think it was going to work now? It, yeah. and it goes back to your ludicrous crap question of maybe somebody else <laughs> calling plays. But 
as a tech fan, I feel like we've it's run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And you have the national commentators saying, man, why don't they mix in a play action on first down occasionally? Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think when you look at play calling, you know, coaches are always going to tell you play calling is overrated. And a lot of times it is, right? It's an easy thing for me to jump on. But I don't think it's overrated with this team, and I'll tell you why. This offense has been very productive overall. It's not a bad statistical offense. It's not having trouble moving the football. It's having trouble converting on third down. That's the number one thing that derails Virginia Tech. And to me, that is play calling. That is the case where you can make the argument about play calling because you've shown me you can run the football. You've shown me you can throw the ball. You've shown me RPOs work. You've shown me you have all of these things, but they don't work on third down because the guy on the other side seems to have a good feel of what's coming and they're able to defend it. So I don't think play calling is horrible, but I think third down play calling has been one of the main problems for this offense. So, and again, to move now to another question that you have, I know you, I know your opinion on this, I think, um, judging by Twitter, but there is the buyout that faces Virginia Tech with Fuente at the same time. I think with Babcock, and I think this has been my point on why I think buyout or no buyout, they've got to make a move, whether they get the donations for it or not. Fans this year can't go to the games because of a pandemic. But the fan base on social media has kind of turned into not only are we expecting to lose, we're we're numb. And so next year you could possibly be facing fans don't come to Lance AM by choice. And... So do you think that Virginia, it's starting to get to a point, and if they lose again to UVA, the in-state rival, that it gets to a point where Whip Babcock's got to go, this isn't going to look good, this is going to hurt financially, but long-term, we can't lose that fan base. we got to have fans in the seats next year, and the only way to do that is to make them excited about the program again, and this guy's not going to do it. I get that. I just I can't buy it, and, and maybe this is my misread of human nature. I think people are devastated by not being able to go to games. However their team is doing, whoever you wrote, root for, I think we've lost something in our lives that we love. Going to stadiums, tailgating, all of those things. I think people are going to come back to your stadium next year, no matter what shape your program is in. Now, they may come back and boo, and they may come back and be <laughs> angry, and they may come back and say, I'm not donating unless things change, unless Tech comes out of the gate 6-0 and next year. The bigger point for me, and you brought it up here, is I don't think unless the donor coughs up the money, I don't think you can do it. You just gave a huge pay cut to all of your well-paid staff. You laid off people. Um, You have a $45 million budget shortfall. You can't spend athletic funds to get rid of this coach. Now, if there's somebody out there who has $10 million lying around and they think that the best way to improve their world, not donating it to a hospital for PPE, not donating it to the schools who are struggling with virtual learning. If they think the best way to spend their $10 million and it's their money, so you can do whatever. If if I had $10 million, I know who I would give it to. If you have $10 million and that's what you want to do, that's a game changer. And I think the bigger question for Whit Babcock, to be honest, is, is he convinced Justin Fuente is the wrong guy? And there's only one person who can make that call because you and I can banter back about what we like and don't like. And I wrote a piece this week, you know, the trajectory of this program since Justin had them in the ACC title game in 2016 has been straight down. It's going the wrong direction. If Whit Babcock believes that Justin Fuente is still the right guy and can pull this out, there's no reason to make this move. 
But if he's convinced that he's the wrong guy, guys, you're just wasting a year if you keep him, right? And that's where it gets complicated. So now if you're sure he's the wrong guy and somebody's got that check for you, yeah, I think Justin Fuente might be facing a, a win-or-go-home situation when he plays UVA on Saturday night. The discussion surrounding Fuente leaving kept bringing up um, Shane Beamer's name out of Oklahoma, and he got hired at South Carolina sometime in the recent past, but he was introduced yesterday and today down in South Carolina. And and my feelings is good for him, and I'll I'll root for his his success. I mean, he's a Hokie. Like, he's, he's Beamer's son. <laughs> he played for our team. Grew up in Blacksburg. He's a Hokie. I'll be rooting for him as long as it doesn't interfere with Virginia Tech's success. Um, <laughs> talk about uh, that hire. I mean, th- this is, you know, Shane Beamer. He's been around the program. You know, he coached for the team. Uh, talk about Shane Beamer and, and his fit there. Yeah, I, and I'm not going to hide anything. I'm a big Shane Beamer fan. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think he's I think he's a great hire. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the knock on Shane Beamer, the two things you'll hear is, well, it's, it's you know, he's just kind of riding his dad's coattails. And guys, he got he got his first coaching gig because of his dad. He got a GA job because of his dad, right? He was Frank sure. Beaver's son. There's nothing wrong with that. Since then, the guy has built an amazing resume. He's been at some of the best programs in the country. And Lincoln Riley is not bringing him in to be the assistant head coach for offense if he doesn't add something to the program, right? Lincoln Riley's not doing anybody favors. He's at Oklahoma, man. He's got to win. Kirby yeah. Smart wasn't doing anybody a favor when he hired him at Georgia. Like, by the time he's been getting these jobs – Shane Beamer's proven himself, and, and I think he's going to be a great hire. Now, the salt in the wound for Tech fans isn't just that, that he gets a job in a year where a lot of them want to see a change at their program. It's the things Shane said today. You know, I did his introductory press conference and got the chance to talk to him after, and, um, you know, I've been texting with him for the, for the last week or so, but he said things about engaging former players, um, not just the stars, but everybody who's played at South Carolina. He talked about how... They're the ones who helped him get this job, calling Ray Tanner, calling the president, saying, you got to bring back Shane Beamer. Guys, former players from South Carolina showed up today at the football facility when Shane was being introduced, even though they knew they couldn't get in, right? It's a COVID-free building. They can't get in. They showed up outside the door, former players, to greet him and show how happy they were. That is the vibe and the energy that a lot of people at Tech feel is missing, it's missing from Justin Fuente, whether it's his fault or the administration's fault. There are a lot of former players who feel that's missing. So to see their guy take another Power 5 job, to see their guy accept a salary that is within the realm of what Tech could pay, yep. and to hear their guy say all the things they want their coach to say, you know, I think Tech fans are happy for Shane Beamer, but yeah. there was a, a, a matter of salt in the wound for them today, I think. Yeah, and I doubt it really is directed at him. It's just... Right. directed to the situation and probably the decision makers and where we've been. So, yeah. Uh, the other name that floated around that gets floated around is Hugh freeze. And not that I would like him as our coach. It's a, it's a name that comes up because Liberty success this year. Uh, they're currently not playing football because of COVID reasons. Uh, but talk about Liberty's um, outlook here as the season's ending up. And uh, if Hugh freeze might leave there. I don't think he's a fit at tech. I think culturally, um, you know, for the same reason that, that the old guard loves Frank Beamer, I don't know that they would embrace Hugh freeze. And, you know, the the names I think about are are guys like Will Healy, um, Jamie Chadwell at coastal Carolina. Now the problem is that is the mold that you just went with, with Fuente, this kind of group of group of five, the next level coach kind of coming up, having success. It didn't work out. Now, if you're Whit Babcock, do you feel it didn't work out because of Justin Fuente 
or it didn't work out because that's not the right roadmap to success at Virginia Tech. And again, you know, I, I'm basically passing the buck here, but all of these decisions are what Babcock's decisions, man. And, and it's why ADs are largely judged on their football and basketball hires. He has to decide, is this the right guy or the wrong guy? And is now the time to make a move? Like who's out there that, that you're going to get? That's another thing about this. You know, if you're spending $10 million to get rid of a guy, you have to have a, a pretty big jonesing for the guy you're bringing in. Um, I wouldn't fire a guy, pay him a $10 million buyout, and then go out there fishing to see what, what you can find. And, and Whit Babcock wouldn't either. You know, he's a good enough administrator that if he makes the move, he's going to have a couple names in mind that he knows are at least open to talking to him. But nobody jumps to the list in, in my mind to say, you've got to find this $10 million because you're about to bring in the next Nick Saban. I just I don't see it. So with Liberty, and you mentioned um... – you don't think Virginia Tech's going to get an invite and you don't think UVA is going to want to go to a bowl game. Liberty is an independent, so they don't have any bowl tie-ins. That's a team that only has one loss. And I saw an article, I think last week before the COVID shutdown at their program saying Liberty might have all these wins and only one loss in the season and still not go to a bowl game because they don't have any bowl tie-ins. Do you think Liberty could step into one of those bowls if the ACC teams just say thanks, but no thanks? Or do you think uh, the bowl game will just be like, okay, shut down and Liberty is left without a chair when the music stops. Wait, and I don't know the answer. I think Liberty is going to be attractive to a, a bowl game, um, especially a regional bowl game, right? Because travel is going to be a big concern, things like that. Um, the two big issues for Liberty are one, uh, bowl games are canceling left and right. <laughs> so yeah. if we agree that they're not at the top of, of the list, well, the bottom of the list, right or wrong, deserving or undeserving, there might not be games for them because these games that are not ESPN affiliated are just going to fold. Um, they're just not going to do it this year. The other concern for Liberty is they had a COVID issue here at the end of the year. So if you're a bowl game, do you want to invite somebody that seems to just now be struggling versus NC State or Virginia Tech, who for better or worse, they dealt with their COVID issues months ago. And, and you know, I, I thought it was a terrible but telling answer when Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech told me uh, he's not too worried about COVID right now because the whole team's already had it. Um, that, that's not great, <laughs> but at the same time, I think mm. if you're a bowl, that, that's another thing about Liberty that that's a concern is, um, what, what is the, the health of their program? So moving to, uh, a, a sport where you mentioned football and basketball hires with Babcock's gotta be loving his hire, Mike Young, <laughs> they're off to a four and start. They beat Villanova. They follow it up with a win against South Florida, a little, little hairy against VMI, but a win nonetheless. Now they've got Penn state and the ACC big 10 challenge coming up. Uh, what did you make of the start for the Hokies? And do you think 11th place in the ACC is still uh, a realistic? Or do you think this team has shown you something to where they're going to move up? Yeah, I think they're going to move up. And, and I'll tell you this. A year ago, they went and, and beat Michigan State, number three in, in mm -hmm. Maui. And that was great, right? It's a great win and, and a great job by Mike Young. But I watched that game and I thought that Mike Young had his team ready to upset Michigan State that night. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. It's, it's not, I'm not criticizing. It's a good thing, right? You go and you upset a great team. Then I watched them beat Villanova, and I didn't feel like he had his team ready to pull an upset. I felt like he had a pretty damn good team. Like they played very well that night. They did some things. Some things had to go their way. But I, I didn't have the vibe like, wow, you know, that was going to be out of character. Look what they just did. I had the vibe like this is a pretty good basketball team, and when they play to their level, they're going to be dangerous. So I think they're going to be better than people realize. I don't think the Villanova win was a fluke. Now, I don't think they're top five in the country. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think they win right. those games every time. But I think what I saw was a team not just playing well on a night. 
I saw a team that has the ability to be a really good basketball team. And, you know, there's a lot of pieces. And, and one of the things that really hurt Tech last year, because they were pretty good early last year, they faded down the stretch. They weren't deep enough, they weren't big enough, and they weren't strong enough. And they've addressed all of those things. The transfers they've brought in, they're bigger in the front court, they're bigger in the back court, they've got more experience, they've got more depth, they've got versatile pieces like Tyrese Radford who can play anywhere. Um, I really like the construct of this roster. You know, is it Duke, Carolina, Virginia talented? No, no, it's not. And that's fine. That's not in year two. It's not a thing that's going to happen. But I believe this is a roster that can compete with anybody in the ACC. Um, and that's a big difference. You know, this isn't Mike Young doesn't have to pull a rabbit out of the hat anytime they win a game. You know, Mike Young just has to prepare his team. And he's one of the better X's and O's guys in the league. Um, but he's got the pieces now. He's it's not the old, you know, he's playing with the checker pieces and the other guys got chess pieces. It's getting a little closer to even, and, and he's going to be very competitive this year, I believe. Now, the guys up 81 and over 64 have had a little different start to the year. They had an unexpected loss to San Francisco and then a tight win in overtime uh, with Kent State uh, just this past weekend. Uh, UVA, I guess, sitting here at 3-1 and one and then has Michigan State on Wednesday What's your outlook on this team? I mean, it's a slow start. Uh, you know, last week, you know, our, you know, us Hokie fans were trying our best to, to beat them down, but then, you know, coming back around to, yeah, they'll be all right. What's your outlook on this team and what, and what you've seen in their struggles this early? Yeah, Leland, that, that's the perfect take on it is they don't look great and they're going to be great. They're going to be yeah. fine. Um, you know, the, you look at the problems that they've had. Um, I see three and I see only one of them that concerns me. Um, they haven't been perfect defensively, they will be, you know, they've led the nation in scoring defense six of the last seven years. The one year they didn't, they were second. They're going to be just fine defensively. Jay Huff is a great rim protector. Kihei Clark is a great on ball defender. Casey Morsell is becoming a better perimeter defender. They're going to be just fine defensively. There's a question about the outside scoring punch, right? They haven't been hitting threes. They haven't been, they're supposed to be better, but they're not. Well, Joey Hauser shot over 45% from three at Marquette. The guy is going to get going. He's going to be fine. Thomas Wodetense can stroke from out there. They're, they're going to be just fine in that regard as well. The area that concerns me is a non-X's and O's issue. It's, and I wrote about this this week. I don't see a guy who's fiery. I don't see a guy who's passionate. I don't see a guy who gets them going. And you know, they, they weren't huge emotion team last year. Mamadi Diakite was probably the most emotional guy, the most likely to yell or bound his chest or wave to the crowd. Um, the year they won the title, Ty Jerome was like that. Um, Kyle Guy was like that. You know, Dre Hunter really was the only one who wasn't like that on that team. I watch this team and I wonder, where's the fire, man? Where's the team that when it's a little closer than it should be against San Francisco, when it's a little closer than it should be um, against Kent State or whoever it is, Where's the guy that gets them going and all of a sudden it's a 20-point game? And I don't see that. Now, it doesn't mean somebody can't do it. It doesn't mean somebody can't step in. Tony Bennett's a very smart coach. Uh, a year ago, when every possession mattered, Tony was more yelling at officials, arguing calls, because he knew every possession was going to matter for that team. That was the kind of – so he may become more demonstrative, more fiery. But right now, that is the only thing I look at this team and say it's missing, and I don't know where it's going to come from. All right, Mike. Well, we we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about football, basketball, UVA, and tech. We want to get you out of here. The holiday season is coming up. What is Mike Barber's favorite Christmas movie? Oh, are you setting me up for the Die Hard answer? But I, I'm going to say because <laughs> I, I do love Die Hard, and it, it is. I I argue it's a Christmas movie because it's 
part of the tradition now. Right, Christmas comes and I watch Die Hard. But my favorite Christmas movie is still Elf. Uh, there I think it is. it's hilarious. I just I love it. The the scene in the mailroom when he's getting drunk <laughs> with the other. I mean, it's just I, I love that movie. It's it's you a like good sir- mix. You like syrup and coffee? Oh, I just it's such a good movie. And it's it's that great blend of like kid happy holiday movie, but adult funny. Like okay, I enjoyed that too. And you know, a, a ridiculous enough premise that you can just laugh. And I, I love that movie. I, I watch it year round, but uh, it's definitely my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, I broke it down last week on the podcast uh, to mostly to Joe's silence. So I'm, I'm glad you're with me on this. <laughs> it's not, not that fact, I. It's not that I don't like Elf. It's just like I don't know. I don't know if it's. For me, uh, there's one Christmas movie I have to watch every year, and it's Muppet Christmas Carol. So, like, outside of that, if I see a movie, okay, and if I don't, I'm okay. And that's why, and that's why I don't get why he doesn't like Elf more. At the beginning, there's Arctic puppets. Like, there is puppets in this movie, so they were close <laughs> enough, aren't we? And they're fairly similar in vibe. You know, the other one for me is It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life, which is the other yeah. end of yeah. the spectrum. But um, that's one when the kids get older, I'd like to sit down with hot chocolate and, and have them watch It's a Wonderful Life because it's, it's so heartfelt. But, um, you know, they sit down with hot chocolate. I'll sit down with whiskey and watch Elf when they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks again. Uh, Mike, for coming on and talking to us, and uh, we'll have you on again for the tenth time. I mean, that's going to be a milestone, so we got we got to make sure that happens. <laughs> I, I get a T-shirt for that one, don't I? <laughs> uh, when I get a T-shirt, we can get you a T-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or just one T-shirt out of your collection. It doesn't sure, matter. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody throw me a T-shirt. I got some awesome. orange effect shirts I can throw your way. There you go. <laughs> then, you then you fun. can, if Justin Fuente's still around, you can disguise yourself and win him over with the Virginia Tech shirt in the post-game presser. I don't think that I'm going to pass for a fan at any point. We're past that point, guys. The first buzz and now Fuente. I mean, what's next, man? But Mike Young, I have a great relationship with. (laughs) Shane Beamer, I had a great relationship with. But yeah, you guys are right. There are two marquee coaches there that uh, did not love me and didn't have me on their Christmas card list. How are you and Kenny Brooks? Kenny and I are great. You know, I know great. Kenny. All right. Well, there we Shane. go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got Kenny, I think, in my column. But, hey, I don't know. Maybe I should call and, and double check. But, yeah, <laughs> no, Kenny's been great. And, and, you know, there's a lot of coaches at Tech that, uh, that are really great and have been great to me. And, and Mike Young's just been outstanding to work with. And, um, you know, hopefully if Justin does make it through this year, part of the wake-up call is, is to have a little bit better relationship with the, the local media. I think it would serve him well. Yeah. We spoke to that point on this podcast. So, yeah. uh, hopefully you're right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. All right, D-Block time here on the X-Sports Podcast. Once again, thanks to Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch for coming on with us. Um, I was excited the other week when when he got all the credit for asking that question uh, about the ludicrous crap from Fuente. So uh, it's always, you know, it's nice to have friends in high places, you know. It just makes me hate Justin Fuente. Well, what doesn't? All right. Let's talk about what's dominating my life. And let's talk about mine first. What I want to talk about this week is some Christmas cartoons. Mm -hmm. So last week I talked about Elf. And now we're going with what has been really impacted by having family and the kids uh, watching these. These I haven't didn't watch as much during college or in high school. It's been more in the last decade or so that I've watched these a lot more. Um, and kids have pushed it a lot because my kids love the Grinch. And when we talk about the Grinch, we talk about how this, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the 1966 version, the best version. 
that is, you know, straight from the book. Uh, Chuck Jones directed it, which is the guy that's famous for the Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry. Um, I think even some Pink Panther. So like just one of the top animators from that era. Um, it's just the best. It, like, I'm not saying I hate every other Grinch, but this one is superior. The, the half an it. hour version of that, just perfect. It has the, the good little songs. It has the good rhymes. It has the good moments with Max, the dog. Um, so definitely our favorite. I liked the last effort of the Grant, the Grinch with Pharrell Williams being the narrator, the DreamWorks. We enjoyed it. It was fun. The kids loved it. Um, I, you know, there was different aspects of it, but nothing Grinch world touches the original. So that is a favorite in our house. When that Grinch has that evil smile, when he figures out that he's going to make Max the reindeer, um, my kids squeal in enjoyment. And then I always love the part where they're talking about all the different toys that get handed out at Christmas. And it's just like these made up crazy toys that are just basically noisemakers and a ball rolling through tubes and popping out and going through a drum. Like, I just love that part of it. So uh, definitely one of my favorites. Any comments on the Grinch? I love the original. You're exactly right. And even though you won't say it, I will. The other ones are trash because the other one is so good. There's no reason to watch the other ones. Don't watch them. I really don't watch the Jim Carrey one at all. That one's just not for me. That one is the worst. I haven't seen the Pharrell one, so I can't say for sure it's garbage. <laughs> but <laughs> let's be honest. I knew Moana was. It. I've never seen it, but it's terrible. I knew Moana was. <laughs> Um, there are other movies I haven't seen that I know are terrible without seeing them. It's called a trailer. It shows you everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, the original is amazing. No reason to waste your time with the other ones. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Ridge, the OG. That was one I should have said to Mike Barber. I've never seen Cincinnati play football, but by God, they should be in the college football playoff. I have seen Cincinnati play football, and they should be in the college football playoff. They would beat Ohio State. Ohio State. The week after UCF lost and you were on the Cincinnati train, had you watched Cincinnati play yet? I watched a quarter. <laughs> okay. Yep. I knew, it, I knew it wasn't a lot. All right. The next one I want to talk about is called The Small One. It's from 1978. It is Disney. It is one of those ones that is not popular. No one knows it. The reason I know about it is my wife grew up with a DVD or maybe not grew up, but she had a DVD at um, probably when the DVDs first became popular. So a long time. And it had three movies on it. It had the small one. It had uh, Pluto's Christmas where there's Chip and Dale and they're all the Christmas tree and causing Mickey some chaos. And then there is the uh, Christmas Carol, Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol, which is very fine. But small one kind of steals the show on that DVD because it's a great little story of a little boy that looks like Mowgli because uh, Disney back in that time just used the same animation for everything. Uh, you can watch Jungle Book and Robin Hood and see the exact same like scenes happen. This steals some scenes and steals some like body shapes from those other movies from around that 1970s era Disney. And it tells a story of a little boy who has a donkey and he's told he has to take it to town and get, uh, you know, sell it to the tanner to get a silver piece. He didn't really know what a tanner is until he gets there. And so he's desperate to find another way to go home with that piece of silver for his dad. Um, but he loves his donkey. It's his friend. It's his buddy. And then finally, in the end, uh, a man named Joseph has a pregnant wife and needs this donkey. And we'll give him a piece of silver to uh, 
take his pregnant wife to their journey to Bethlehem. Really nice story there. Um, and it's just a different vibe from a lot of the other Christmas cartoons and uh, a little bit probably a little more wholesome. So I like it. And we always watch that one. And there's like a song or two in there that we really that we always seen around the house kind of um, just lines from it. So we like that one. I know you haven't seen that one. So I know you're not yeah, going to comments. You're right. I, I haven't. I'm, I have it, no comment on it. I haven't seen a trailer for it even. So it's on Disney plus. Yeah. You're not going to see many trailers for this. Disney's not going to promote this one as much because it does have the warning that it was made at a different time and has some cultural appropriations that might not be as appreciated these days. They don't like put the scene from Dumbo. That's terrible. Or many scenes from Dumbo. That's terrible. Or Peter Pan. Uh, yeah. (laughs) The original Peter Pan's pretty bad. Ooh, it's rough. Um, so, but yeah, you might check out small one, just, it's a, a 25 minute, put it on worst thing ever. Um, I know you've never seen it. You don't have to say it's the worst thing ever. Like you have other things that you've never seen. Uh, I just don't have any opinion. I have anything thing, for it. I've seen trailers for Pharrell. It didn't sell me. <laughs> How many trailers for the original Grinch have you seen? I didn't need to. I've seen it. It's great. <laughs> It's All also, right. you know what? Uh, it was made probably, when storytelling was, you know, paramount to it, something being made and not like, oh, how many flashy things can we distract kids with? So go ahead. Your last one. I, it's fine. I, I'm right. I, I think the, the Grinch from DreamWorks deserves a little more credit than you're giving it. It's really not a bad effort. Um, a Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965. We all know it. I'm only bringing that up because it's not one of my favorites. It is something that has to get played in our house and that's fine. I'm just not huge on the Charlie Brown cartoons for any of these fall and winter holidays because everybody's so mean. Like, it's just like so many times I want to turn to my kids and be like, never treat a person that way. Like this is a terrible way to be to somebody that you might consider a friend. Uh, But the reason I bring it up, it dominates (laughs) my life is because the soundtrack from it is just the best it's such relaxing, good music. And so that's how I take in the Charlie Brown Christmas. I take in the soundtrack from that's provided from that movie that includes one of the Thanksgiving songs too, but that's fine. Um, Cause I listen to that on Spotify a lot in the Christmas season. And rather than listen to Mariah Carey talking about who she wants for Christmas, I'm listening to Vince Guerrero, you know, break it down with some jazz. So that is the better music selection. Yes. yes. Um, I will say it's interesting that you tell your kids don't ever treat friends like that. And then uh, on Monday nights, you come on here and we have to take out about an hour of us yelling at each other about the college football. It's a two-way street. I haven't seen Charlie Brown yelling at those other kids. (laughs) When Charlie Brown is completely dismissive of any alternate idea that's presented to him and just says. You know what? If Charlie Brown would be more dismissive, he wouldn't have that football pulled out from under him so many times. (laughs) All right. What's dominating your life? Um, <laughs> what's dominating my life is I'm rewatching a show called Baskets. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this, Leland. It's on F. Oh, yeah. Okay. First two seasons I watched. Right. I had seen, I think I had seen the first three seasons, but I hadn't seen the last season. And that's on Hulu. So I'm going through that. I've actually caught up to the last season now. I did a whole rewatch. It is funny slash dark, kind of like Bojack. Um, in the sense that it's definitely a comedy, but there's definitely some stuff in there that you're like, whew, that is dark. Um, and they, they don't touch on as many dark things. And I think Bojack goes in a darker place than Baskets does sometimes. 
because uh, Baskets always tries to make it like a comedic thing versus where Bojack sometimes is just like, this is dark and it's going to be dark. So just let it wash over you. Kind of like I try to tell Leland sometimes when it comes to Virginia Tech football. But um, yeah, I, I still enjoy it. I think it's a funny show. Zach Galifianakis. Uh, and you know what? I, I meant to look this up before I came on here. He doesn't actually have a twin, does he? Like, that's him playing both parts. No, no, that's his thing. Uh, He has a comedy special that used to be on Netflix that was, like, at the – he's, like, sitting there playing a piano, and he has this whole, like, side story cut out where it's, like, him and his twin. That's, like, where this is based out of. Okay. Um, Because it looks – I mean, there are scenes where they're in the same scene is why I ask, and I've just always wondered how they've done that. I'm not savvy enough to know. (laughs) That could be money used to expand a college football playoff or buy out Justin Fuente. So – um, but I, I think it's a funny show. Uh, there's a lot of, I, there's a lot of jokes going on there too, that I, I think if you sat down and watched, it's not for everyone. I'll be upfront and honest about that. But if you like Zach Galifianakis, you'll like this. That's your biggest thing. You need to like Zach Galifianakis because he plays his range of characters to the extreme in this. So you, you do have to like him. Uh, Louis Anderson though is just steals it. Oh like, my god! Without, she is without so Louis good. Anderson and how the depth that that character brings, because it really starts out it's his, it's Louis Anderson, comedian from the eighties, I would say when he's most famous. Um, I forgot he had that cartoon show too. Yeah, from yeah, when yeah. I was a kid, it's him as as Zach Galifianakis and his twin brother's mom, and um, plays it believably. <laughs> And it starts comedically and it's just funny and she's overweight and she's obsessed with Costco and there's all this funny stuff. But then it really, they really get in depth with her and really go through the, how she's overweight. And then she does end up finding a relationship and, and how she goes through that. And, and then also the dynamic with her sons who mistreat her in both directions and, and how she treats them. And so it's just well, and also just that like, character. Each of them have a very like just when you look at their lives individually on the episodes where they go into their lives individually, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is a warped family, yeah. like <laughs> to oh, the core. So warped. But the heart that comes with that character, I think you didn't expect it early, and then you really get it, and that that character pretty much provides the heart through what I've seen of the show. Um, I don't know. I think without Louis without Louis, not Louis C.K., Louis Anderson's character, uh, that show probably doesn't make it four seasons. You know, oh, I agree. That uh, Louis C. Louis Anderson Louis got Anderson. Uh, a Golden Globe or one of the awards. Got got an award for mm-hmm. playing that role and and fully deserved it. So uh, that's the show stealer right there. Yep, I agree. Um, that's what you should tell Patrick to watch. Baskets. Hey, Patrick, watch baskets. Uh... Watch Peaky Blinders first. It's a better show. Um, uh, no, no, wait a minute. I've never seen Peaky Blinders, but I've seen a commercial, and I think it's trash. Do you really think that, though? No, because here's the thing. You have to actually believe it. I don't just it. say something's trash. Yeah, but see, that's where you're wrong. Trash. I'm, I'm not saying that about everything I haven't seen, but I've seen a commercial or a trailer for. I'm saying that about the ones that I watch, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That did not sell me. In fact, it made me not want to see it. That's when I truly believe it. If you would like, if you felt like it, if there was an opportunity, maybe even with like someone with an audience that does want to watch it, like gave that Grinch from DreamWorks just a watch, knowing, hey, it's not as good as the original. Leland's Leland's acknowledged that it's not the original. I don't want it to be the original. I just want to watch this movie and see where they kind of take this character. 
it it's it's a good effort. It's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the best movie ever made. It's just a good effort. It will not be watched this year by me. So what I know that you need to know, in addition to me not watching the DreamWorks version of The Grinch this year, is Spotify did their 2020 <laughs> year in wrapped is what they call it, but it's uh, basically just goes back and uh, tallies your top artists, top songs, and it gives you a whole bunch of information, like how many different artists you discovered and how many different genres you listened to and a bunch of stuff. Um, and so I was interested in hearing Leland's in, a, in addition to mine. Um, the top two, I, I'll say this. One is not going to be a shock to anyone, but he's number two is Billy Joel on my list. That should not be a shock to anyone that he's going to be in my top five artists because I talk about him all the time. He's the greatest singer-songwriter of a generation. The number one might not surprise Leland. It did not surprise my friends because I, I talk about her a lot too, but I'm going to go start at five. Five is the High Kings. Uh, which Leland hates. Uh, four is the Steel Drivers, who oh, Leland likes. Leland likes the Steel Drivers. Um, I'm not gonna comment. Okay, wow. I'm not gonna give you like reciprocation of a of an idea. You don't like the High Kings. <laughs> you said it. You said you don't like Irish music. You're on record as saying that on this podcast. In fact, um, I just wasn't into it. I'm not saying it's tr- like bad. You I hated just, it. Like, you hated it. It was fine. Um, number three is a group called Pickin' On Series, where they basically do a lot of bluegrass covers of popular songs. Uh, two was Billy Joel, and one was Halsey. I like Halsey. She's got a lot of bangers out there. Um, surprisingly, though, Halsey, despite being my top artist, not in my top five songs. So how oh, about yeah. that? I got a lot of that. Uh, no, uh, that's kind of that's how my lists break up. Is my top artists generally is what I'm listening to. And then my top songs are what my kids listen to. And so my phone is connected to our Google dot or oh, whatever it is. Or that's Echo why or you said I would laugh. No, I'm not going to laugh. So all my top songs are just the pop banners from last year. Doja cat say so <laughs> only, only human by one of those, uh, brothers, um, Jonas brothers. Okay. But only one of them. I think it's only one of them. Maybe it's, both I, don't of them. Know. I don't know. Liar, which I think is that Camilo Cabello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Blinding Lights, because uh, apparently we let our kids listen to the weekend. And then... <laughs> They'll love break, the halftime show. <laughs> and Break My Heart, which I couldn't tell you who sings that. Break My but Heart. My kids, I could look it up, but I'm not gonna. My mm. kids are very much into the pop music, uh... There is a new song by Ariana Grande that is an immediate turn off the radio. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. And then, yeah, and, and you know, uh, those two women this summer made that one song that is obviously a big... <laughs> well, that doesn't <laughs> make sure come that on, doesn't the stay on the radio. Or doesn't uh, show that, up on they can't play that on the radio, months. Leland. That can't be on the radio. There's no way. How would you play any version of that? You know what? I have heard a clean version of it. And yeah, you can't play that on the radio either. <laughs> Honestly, well, my cousin's wedding was supposed to be New Year's Eve, and they've put it off for a year with the pandemic. But that was my like request, and I knew my cousin would never play it. And I was like, no, 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 it's cool. You can play the clean version. And she's like, I haven't heard the clean version, but the fact that you seem to be really excited about the clean version tells me that, no, I'm not going to play it. And I was like, eh, fair. 
Um, just out of just out of effort for the songs that break my heart is Dua Lupa, which Dua Lupa had a couple bangers Dua Lipa. this year. <laughs> Dua Lipa. So, <laughs> that's where I'm at with this. Dua, uh, Dua Lipa. She's had a couple big hits this year. Yeah. So I'm surprised that isn't one of my top artists because my kids listen because that Don't Start Now song is also big yes. Well, so all right, your kids. I agree with your kids there. That's a good song. It's not my top five, but yeah. The only song really, I, I'll be truthful. Like the only song this year that I like absolutely make them cut off is that watermelon sugar song. It's such oh, a Oh, I hate song. that song. And you're right. See, that's folks, that is good parenting. Leland and I will argue to the death and we will both die on our positions on the college football playoff. But Leland is a great parent, and that is just another exhibit right there. They're only going to watch two playoff games, damn it. Yeah, because he's a – yeah, that's not – you know, I don't agree with that, but they're his kids. He does what he wants with them. But when he tells them you're not listening to that Watermelon Sugar song, that is Leland being the best parent he can be in that moment because, folks, we have got to stop music like that being made. That. Not not, uh, WAP. That is what's going to kill to this country. There's certain people that listen to our show that I don't want to go looking that up. I've already said, and I <laughs> met your mom. That should have been what was dominating my no. life. I met your mom. Super nice lady. I'm so happy to have met her. Mrs. McCray, thank you for listening to this whole thing. Our, she got to meet her favorite person on the Experts podcast. I know, and I was so excited. It made my day. I went in, and then Liverpool lifted my spirits even higher by winning four nil against wolves you no soccer talk you thought you were gonna get away with soccer no soccer talk get real (laughs) um oh but yeah i gotta still talk about artists don't i yeah you gotta do your artists okay i'm i'm gonna slow play my number one love it because i i do honestly am embarrassed about it but it it is who i am don't be embarrassed no no shame no judgment so number two and five are number two is original Broadway cast of Hamilton and number five is hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay. That's Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Hamilton came out in June or whatever it was on Disney, on Disney plus, plus. Mm-hmm. kind of been obsessed with it ever since. Okay. It's either watched or listened to by me once a week. Mm-hmm. It's I'm fairly obsessed. There's some really good music in it, but also like pairing it with the Broadway show. It, it's, I really enjoy it. Uh, my number four is Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. My number three is Tyler Childers. Yes. I really got into Tyler Childers this year. I knew who he was over a year ago, but this year, just listening to everything he has, all it was what I listened to on the lawnmower, was a mix of Tyler Childers, Chris Stapleton, and some other guys. So that's my top four. That's those my top four artists, what I've said. Mm-hmm. My number one's John Mayer. Oh, I realize, that's not who I thought you were going to say. Okay. Yeah, I realize... John Mayer isn't like the coolest uh, guy these days um, and maybe never was. I like him. I liked him in high school. I've liked him through college and I like him now. And what I'm listening to now is basically the old stuff. Just an acoustic guitar playing and the way he goes kind of relaxes me. So a lot of times when I'm just trying to chill, like I talked about with Christmas music and listening to the Charlie Brown soundtrack. When I'm at work, I just need something to kind of in the background, just chill. It ends up being a lot of John Mayer over there. So I'll, it's what it is. I'm not saying he's the greatest artist ever. He's not a Billy Joel. I'm not trying to put him like in that kind of category. All right, all right. Um, but I li- I've listened to his music for a long time. I really like it. 
and uh, his older stuff is better than his newer stuff, but not all his newer stuff is bad. Like some of his newer stuff isn't bad. When he came to Virginia Tech and played uh, after the terribleness there, we had Phil Vassar come. We had somebody else that I'm failing to give credit to. We had John Mayer and we had Dave Matthews. Mm -hmm. It was a really cool thing that all those people came and played a free concert in Lane Stadium for us. And I really enjoyed John Mayer's the best. Dave Matthews was great and played a long time and played all the hits for everybody to like. And I like, I like Dave Matthews enough, but I thought Dave, I thought John Mayer's show was like the right amount of time. He said he talked during it and said intelligent things, which honestly I've listened to John Mayer talk other times and he's not always intelligent that night he was. So I think that stuck with me. And so I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those guys I listen to all the time and I like it. So who'd you think I was going to say? I thought, I thought, well, I thought when we were coming back from a Steel's drivers concert that your wife was making fun of you for listening to an artist. I don't know if you want me to say that one or if you're going to be embarrassed. Is it female? Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Okay, that's fine. See, I didn't want to put you, I didn't want you to have further judgment. See, I I like that artist too, so I wasn't going to judge you, but I don't, if you don't feel secure, this is I your like safe it for space. A time. I have, I don't listen to it now. Okay, this is your safe space. I'm not judging you. I think more people are going to like your number one than Halsey. So, see, I try to stick with the times because I try to appeal to that younger demographic for our podcast, which I appeal we are not with hitting. the younger, younger demographic when I'm with the younger demographic. You're with a demographic Otherwise, that... Otherwise, I'm listening yeah. to John Mayer kicked back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, look, that's you. You do you. Uh, when I am not with the younger demographic, I am singing along to Halsey or bluegrass music or some combination in between. So... All right. Do I have anything else to talk about? We're no. Still, are we still even recording? Yeah, we are. We're, I mean... God help us, because oh, I'm no, going to have to cut a lot Spotify, of this out. I wanted it for both of us. That's good. We're good. Okay, we're done. I, I think we're done. How are we at? Two and a half hours? Almost. Um, golly day. So this is not going to be two and a half hours when you listen to it, but we hope you enjoyed whatever you did get to hear of the Yak Sports podcast and what didn't get <laughs> cut out. Uh, I feel like Lula and I have patched things up to a point where maybe we won't end at 120 episodes after all. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod to make sure that we have another episode if we get to 121. You can also follow us on Facebook by searching Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com to stay in touch with us. Be sure to comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you have Spotify. Tell us who your top five artists are. Tell yeah. us your top five songs because genuinely I am interested, and I am, I am always looking for new music. I don't love John Mayer, but Leland loves John Mayer, and good for Leland. I love Halsey. Leland doesn't love Halsey. Good for me. Um, you might not love Halsey. You might not love John Mayer. You may love somebody completely different. Let me know so I can, if I haven't heard of them, I can look into them. If I have heard of them, maybe I look for some songs. Um, but seriously, do tell us. This goes to all of our listeners. Even Leland's mom, if she has Spotify, tell Leland and Leland will tell me. Leland is giving me the no, she does not. Okay. She does not have Spotify. Well, Tough break. Neither does my mom. So subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or hey, Spotify, if uh, <laughs> if you uh, haven't already. That way, again, our podcast will pop up in your podcast feeds, and you can download it, listen to it. Uh, if it asks for ratings, give us a good rating, please. If not, um, you know, just do whatever you got to do. But we <laughs> hope you enjoy the Yaks Word podcast. Again, we will be talking more about high school 
As fans, tell us what you think of the no travel and no AAU for basketball especially. Tell us what you think of Virginia Tech or UVA college sports and uh, tell us what you think of the Steelers because and or the Ravens. Uh, if you like where the Ravens are going, I don't know what to tell you. You're drinking something that I'm not drinking. So until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exports Podcast and we'll be back next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.